Good morning. It is Sunday, July 29th, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on ITW, we'll discuss the recent trade activity in Major League Baseball, including the Cubs' acquisition of Cole Hamels. Um, Milwaukee Brewers left-handed reliever Josh Hader gets a warm welcome from the Brewers fans. And as always, we talk about how the Cubs have fared this past week. But first, so Tom, are you, are you, you back in town this week? I am back in town. The um, accidental uh, tourist is back in, in, uh, in Chicago. Um, Chicago's gain is Michigan's loss. What can I yes, say? Yes, yes, that's so, correct. So, right. so let's get around the league this morning. Uh, we, uh, the, I guess the big, biggest news uh, since we last spoke was that uh, Manny Machado, as we all expected and we're talking about, was finally uh, moved to, um, to the, the Dodgers. Los- to the yeah. Dodgers. Um, so what do you think about that? Well, I mean, once well, we talked about that last week about its impact and uh, how cruel it was that the Dodgers had to open after the All-Star break against the Brewers, who were also in the running to land Machado. But um, what was interesting is that once he was moved, there was just a flurry of other trades. It just all sort of began. And some of the bigger ones were, uh, you know, the Yankees uh, acquired two pitchers. They got Zach Britton from the Orioles and they got J.A. Happ from the Blue Jays. And I thought that was odd that both those teams would trade within their division. That always makes me feel kind of ooky. But uh, do you think that both those guys will help? I don't think Britton... I, I don't know. I, I, not Britain, but I don't think uh, Hap is going to help the Yankees a great deal. I don't think he makes them much better. Britain's a different story, but they already had a really good bullpen. I don't think this helps yeah. them overtake the Red Sox is what I'm saying. You, know, you bring up an interesting point because that's Sparky Anderson 101. You never, ever, ever trade within your division, no matter what. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a cardinal rule, and, and they broke that. And I agree with you. I think that these are kind of – um, Midland moves by the Yanks. I, um, I think that their issue is their starting pitching, uh, as uh, Severino got roughed up again yesterday. Yeah, he did. Um, and so um, Jay Happ is a 38-year-old pitcher. He, he's one of the last knuckleballers uh, in organized baseball, um, which is sad to say. Um, I agree with you. I don't think Zach Britton is going to make much of a difference, and they have a world-class bullpen. Their concerns right now have to be on and on a Ron judge yeah. who may be out. It was going to be out at least a month with a fracture in his hand, his wrist. So I, you know, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's really helping the Yanks. The Yanks have been kind of perplexing the last couple of years with their mid season moves, including, you know, including the original Chapman trade, but to the Cubs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And they've been, what was also interesting about these trades too, is that they, they sent the blue Jays, Billy McKinney, who was uh, one of the players that they had gotten from the Cubs in the uh, Chapman deal. So right, I thought that was right. interesting. So moving on, the Brewers got Joakim or Joaquim Soria from the White Sox. And, and, and I posted earlier that I didn't think that they were done, and they weren't. They mm-hmm. went out and got Mike Moustakis from the Royals. And what, what's interesting about the Moustakis trade is that he'll play third base for them. And then their, the current third baseman for the Brewers, Travis Shaw, will move to second base, which is kind of a creative way of approaching their middle infield offensive problems. But I think this also, this could be a problem for Milwaukee ultimately, because I think that somehow Shaw's, 
I don't know, inexperience uh, playing second base may hurt them. That may hurt them. They, there may be a critical double play that he won't be able to make or will make a wrong decision. And I think it may cost them games that they cannot afford to lose. So, Well, let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and that mm. is the Brewers need starting pitching. Yeah. And it's, it, it's inexplicable to me that they went and got a used-up reliever. Uh, let's be honest, Soria is eminently hittable, as they're about to find out. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that Soria is still in the game, to, at least at the major league level. Um, and so I, I, part of me thinks that maybe the Brewers aren't done because they really – for them to for them to win and win in October, they must get another starter. And let's be honest, there's not a lot of them out there unless the the Nationals are going to uh, break up their team significantly, which uh, uh, is so entirely I, I, possible. That's entirely possible. You know, I mean, go go ahead. So, you know, you, you uh, note that the Red Sox picked up uh, Nathan Eovalde. And yeah. again, that's another guy that that. I think he will help them more than all of the moves that the Yankees made. But again, for the Red Sox, they're so strong. I mean, they're they're it's it's to me. I see the the, the World Series uh, running through Houston or the Red Sox. I personally think it's going to be Houston, even though I'm starting to question that decision. As Altuve went on the DL last night, and they've got they've got their own set of problems, particularly the back end of their bullpen. Uh, so that leaves us with the Red Sox, and that's that's your number one team in baseball. I know how much you love them, um, but <laughs> oh, uh, but. But they didn't need a lot of help because, quite frankly, they're firing on all cylinders. No, you're right. It, it, it's clear they're if they're not the best team in baseball, they're the, they're the second best. And uh, that's certainly confirmed by their record. And they're playing, uh, you know, in one of the toughest divisions in baseball in terms of they have the most competition from the Yankees. So, yeah, I mean, it helps them. I, I, I don't know a whole lot about Eovaldi. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's maybe I just don't follow the American League as closely, but uh, – but I don't know. It just seems like a lateral move, you know. And, and again, I mean, you're talking about starting pitching. There just aren't that many guys out there who will really make much of a difference for anybody. And and you mentioned the Nationals. I don't know. Will they trade Scherzer? I don't think so. Or can no. I don't know. I, I it, it's just. I mean, they have to decide what they want to do. There's only three days left. You know, there, there's 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 it's a very complicated situation when it comes to Scherzer. It's not just trading Scherzer. It's Scherzer's contract, which is yeah. one of the largest pitching contracts in the major leagues currently. Also, he has the right to to um, void uh, certain deals uh, because, you know, he's a five year guy. So yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I don't know. You know, there's been some hush discussion that they may even get rid of Harper Um because quite frankly, they're losing Harper anyways. I would no, be, try- I I wouldn't be trying to move Harper myself if, if I was the Nationals. The, the, the Nationals do not have the team to win the World Series. And, and this is, you know, something that, that I want to talk about in a second when it comes to the Cardinals. And I think it, in, the, in the modern game of baseball, when you get to this point in the season, you have to have an honest discussion with yourself to say, can we win the World Series with this team? The Nationals cannot. I I really, I believe that they've taken a step backwards. I think that they're right to start having those kind of hush-hush discussions that, hey, we may need to send some of these stars away to kind of rebuild. Because in the modern game of baseball, you know, dynasties are made and broken in three years. It used to be, you know, six to nine years for for dynasties to start, stay, and then leave. That's not the case anymore. So, you know, as... uh, 
as we're seeing with teams like the Oakland A's and uh, even the Brewers to a lesser degree, who and, and another team that comes to mind is the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are a team that, you know, really are arcing upwards or, or were arcing upwards. And I think that if they were to make some significant moves and some free agent signings, they would be a contending baseball team again. And that's the way that it works. Washington's on the downside. And personally, I would be sellers if I was Washington. And I, I would move Harper. I agree with your premise that, that teams do have to be honest in terms of evaluating their team and, and whether or not they can make the playoffs or win the World Series. But I disagree with uh, the idea of trading Harper. I mean, at least if you're a Nationals fan, this is the worst time to trade Harper because you're going to absolutely get the least, uh, the least possible return for it. You know what I mean? He, he's just been terrible. What is he, hitting 200? You know, only Dexter yeah. Fowler has been a regular... No, well, average. You know. Wait a minute, Harper powers. Harper's power numbers are extraordinarily good. So actually, that's not. I, I have to re-disagree with you because if he plays out the rest of his season with the Nationals, the Nationals get nothing. They get nothing for. Well, they so, they might get a. Well, yeah, you're right. They get the the supplemental pick, I guess. But but I don't know. Maybe they'll resign. I can't imagine them not resigning him either. You know, but, or or attempting to. You're you're right. I, I I just I get the feeling that Harper wants out of that market. I, I may be wrong, but I, I get the feeling that he's he's done in, in Washington. And and so time will tell. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, one to, uh, to kind of switch gears here to talk about a pitcher by the name of Daniel Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon, yes. Who early uh, in last season in the while in the minor leagues was pitching to our own. Uh, Victor uh, Carantini and Carantini hit a ball uh, right back at uh, uh, Ponce de Leon, hit him in the, in the head and Ponce de Leon was um, in the hospital for a month. There was some question whether he would ever play professional baseball again. And um, last week he came back after fighting back to get into the major leagues for the Cardinals and uh, almost threw a no hitter. I mean, it's it's rare that we can talk about great stories like this. Uh, it's interesting to know that Carantini was kind of with him all along the way. He visited him in the hospital. He was in constant uh, social media contact with him. Um, and so it's just a great story um, for the Cardinals and for certainly for Ponce de Leon himself. They immediately sent him down the next day. They took him out <laughs> after the seventh inning because he was at 118 pitches, which they should have done. I yeah, agree with no, that. I agree too. Um, but I just thought it, it was a, you know, you don't have a lot of great feel good stories. That was one of them. Well, and, 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 you know, it's sad too, that uh, the Cardinal bullpen coughed up the lead, you know, after they took de Leon out or Ponce de Leon out. But it is a good story, and uh, I, I don't understand how they can send him down when this we're talking about a team that really needs pitching. And this, yeah. you know, uh, dovetails into our next topic, why the Cardinals are lying to their fans. And, yeah. and I think you and I both agree that they've kind of thrown in the towel for 2018 when they traded Tui Valaila and, uh, you know, they basically put Brett Cecil on the DL, and they DFA'd Greg Holland, which I thought was – well, they had to do that. Holland, Holland's arm is, is done. Um, but you're 100% right. And again, it kind of dovetails on what we were just talking about. The, if you look, if you're the Cardinals and you have an honest discussion with yourselves and you look at the teams that are ahead of you, and oh, by the way, the Pittsburgh Pirates are now ahead of you. Yeah, as far they're in as fourth place. Team. 
Correct. You know. And it's not just in the standings. They're a better team than you all the way uh, across the board. And so yesterday's game, which unfortunately the Cubs lost, there, I, I almost laughed out loud when the, when the Fox announcer said the Cardinals lately have been bringing in their A defensive team after the seventh inning. And I'm like, what team is that? What te- yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. defensive team? Their yeah. defense is terrible. It really this, is. This, te- this team is 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 basically. Uh, it reminds me of the 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 land of the misfit uh, toys in, in uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. This this is not a Cardinals team that's going to win any World Series soon. And I think for the GM who last week said we're you know we're we're going all in, all in for what? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're talking about. So, um, I mean, stranger I, I, things I have happened. Part, you know, teams have come yes, from farther yes. out to win the World Series. But if you look at this team, they they don't they don't play they don't catch the ball. And you know, fundamentally, I mean, there are so many stronger teams, and they just it's like you said, they're misfits. They have a lot of parts that just do not fit. You know, and yeah. I, I I don't see. And and they are lying to their fans if they say that they have a chance to win it. I, I really, you know. Well, you know, I think part of it is is that all teams to keep their fans to keep showing up have to put on the face that you know we're still trying. It, you know, we're going to give it the old college try, and <laughs> and we're and we're we're still in this thing. But the Cardinals are a different breed. The Cardinals are, you know, arguably the National League's greatest team. Yes. Uh, historically, um, they've always had tremendous. Uh, uh, management, tremendous uh, minor league systems. And so I fully expect that the Cardinals will, you know, resurrect and they'll come back. But I just, I think this year they are done. They're cooked. And uh, I don't care how many times they beat the Cubs. They're not going to the World Series. No, they're not. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to make the playoffs. And they're not going to the World Series. I mean, now, you know, again, we may have to eat our words later on, but honestly, <laughs> right. I, I doubt I, it. I doubt it. I really do. <laughs> All right. So uh, Josh Hader uh, had a homecoming. This is a left-handed reliever, an all-star for the uh, Milwaukee yeah. Brewers. And he was pitching in the all-star game when it was revealed that he had made these sort of racist, homophobic tweets back when he was a 17-year-old. And it happened during the game. The tweets were released. It was very embarrassing for him for his family. It was embarrassing for him because he also gave up a three-run home run or whatever. His, his family <laughs> right. who was at the game had to change their sh- They were all wearing Josh Hader jerseys, and they had to change them out or turn them around. And uh, so now Hader returns to Milwaukee for the first time since the All-Star game, and he gets a standing ovation from the Milwaukee fans, which was absolutely – it really made me uncomfortable. I yes. mean, I'm glad I wasn't there. I would have kind of thrown up. You know, right. Yeah, this is a very complex subject. But the reality is you kind of touched on the fact that he made kind of racist statements. He made unbelievable racist yeah, statements. Really did. You know, he, he mentioned he said, the I KKK hate words. And, right. Yeah. He, he mentioned the KKK and yeah. as, as a power uh, in a power statement kind of way. And the homophobic stuff is just deplorable. I don't understand it, but uh, as you and I have, uh, we read an article earlier this week from a, a New York Times uh, columnist that was brought to our attention from uh, 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 one of my favorite NBC baseball sites. I'm trying to get the guy's name up here. So I think it's James Powell. Start. I think his name is Powell. Yeah, Michael Powell. Michael, Michael Powell, Powell, Powell uh, wrote this uh, really illuminating article, even though a lot of these articles, as I'm seeing when it comes to race relations in baseball, that doesn't really resolve anything. All it's doing is identifying a pretty large problem. And so, you know, 
I, basically, the, the, the premise of Powell's piece was that if this was a black man um, who had said these things against whites and went to, you know, went to pitch again, there would have been crickets in the stadium. Oh, yeah. The, the, and, and these are the same fans that are in uproar over uh, uh, black guys who, who uh, protest the national anthem in the NFL. It's the same exact thing. And what they're saying is that these, these white fans, is, you know, these unbridled white fans, uh, ID, as Powell calls it, um, id, is that id. id yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Is that uh, you know, uh, but that baseball has a much bigger problem than just this. It, it has to do with the fact that you know, baseball is seeing an incredible decline in black uh, players in the major leagues. You mm-hmm. know, as has been so uh, well articulated by guys like Curtis Granderson. Um, the reality is, is that. The majority of baseball fans, they have the whitest fan base in all of the four major sports. And they, well, and except also, for hockey, in, in the three major sports. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess in, in, in the – true, true. But I think that, you know, it's, it's just when the, when the average fan is like you and me, over 50 years old and white, that's, that's a problem. And, um, it is a problem. It's a huge and, problem. But but the biggest problem is is so, is is a bunch of these white folks celebrating basically this behavior and and again as the the, the author writes you know some of these fans are not racist they're just you know they're, they're happy supporting they their have, guy they're supporting exactly their guy. so exactly yeah, I mean, but, but, I, but I just, uh, but I think that for a guy that did what he did it should have been crickets when he first came back and then they can welcome him back after he pitches well um and i do believe that you know we you and i have talked about this many times if they had you know twitter and some of these stuff when you and i were kids we'd be in big trouble yeah uh, over some of the comments and so i I will give him a pass as a 17 year old because quite frankly there is you're an idiot when you're 17 years old it's it's a proven fact that your brain is not fully uh, developed at this point so you make mistakes you do things you regret but 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 at the same time we shouldn't celebrate it either no yeah no and uh and i think that that's really the problem i have with what the milwaukee fans did you know it's not something that uh, we should be happy about like hey it's okay what you did with us it shouldn't be okay I don't know. But but again, I mean, you do want to support your guy who happens to be an all star who did help your team all year. So but uh, but it, 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 I, I, if I would have been there when it happened, I, I might have gotten sick. That would have yeah, been really well, fucked up. I, I think, again, the, the, the biggest issue is just how um, how big of a, a, a racial problem. And whenever I hear someone, you know, using that anti uh, uh, argument against political correctness. So it's all oh, everybody's just political. Political correctness is another word for allowing you to be a racist. Yeah, really, is right, what it is. Right. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. Yeah, and when so, you attack political correctness, it's just you want the liberty to be able right. to express what a racist you are. That's all. Right. Yeah. And, and I, so I just think it's it's a it's a major problem. It's sad. You know, every other week or day, it seems like you go on to social media and you see these whites acting out in public that are, are recorded by people of color. Um, you know, also this all this whole past summer from from that woman that called in a, a black family that was barbecuing. I know. I know. Legally, I know. I know. Uh, to, to the woman that called in the uh, black kid who was selling a uh, black young girl who was selling lemonade out in front of her building. I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and I would like to think that the majority of the people do not think that way. And like, and, and the and, guy in the in the Cook County Forest Preserve who attacked the oh, woman oh, that, who, that, 
That was just crazy. But you know what it is, Tom? Ultimately, it's fear. It's anxiety. It's white people who are afraid that people of color are taking over the country. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and they're afraid that they're going to be pushed to the back of the bus or whatever. And, right. and it's completely irrational. You know what I mean? But there it is. I mean, it's racism is motivated by two things, fear and insanity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, I, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, the, the village of America of make America white again is, is a small trailer park uh, on the edge of, uh, you know, tornado, uh, tornado valley of, 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 of evolution, you know, because quite frankly, I want to see these people off the planet. I want them. I, I want, I, know. I want it to be gone. And so, but I think that, you know, it, it may be around for as long as we're alive, unfortunately. I just no, as long as there's a United States of America. I mean, this is something we're always going to be dealing with, you know. Right. All right, so let's move on to more pleasant topics. And let's talk about the Chicago Cubs, who recently acquired Mr. Cole Hamels from the Texas Rangers, a left-handed pitcher who used to be great, who is still pretty good. I guess he'll slot into the rotation for Tyler Chatwood, who – I guess goes off to the bullpen and that kind of makes us all happy. I, I, I think that Tyler Chatwood may yet one day be productive, but I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, Chatwood has a, is, is young. That's the thing that he has going for him. But if, but his wildness is, um, which we've seen many times in the history of baseball and, and players have pitchers have recovered from it. Yes. I, I just think that, you know, as we talked about a month ago, he wasn't going to be making the playoff roster. I still don't think he'll make the playoff roster because they have to have um, certain specialized pitchers. And unless he turns into a super reliever, which he could, I doubt it. Because again, relievers no. can't walk hitters. They 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 can't have whips like he has, and they can't have the the you know the the ratio of walks to strikeouts that he, that he has. So I don't know what's going to happen. They paid a fair amount for him, which is scary. Under the guys that he was always good at Wrigley Field, if you remember, you know, in his career he's always pitched really well at Wrigley Field until he came to the Cubs. Until he uh, actually, <laughs> until the Cubs actually got him. You yeah. know, it, it's just the way it goes. I mean, it was a good move at the time, but um, but but the thing about the trade for Hamels that that kind of got me thinking is, you know, they traded basically Eddie Butler for him. You know? know, and Butler this year has been, you know, apart from the fact that he's been injured since he's come back or when he pitched, he was effective. So my question is, why not just let Butler slot for Chatwood? Why do you have to give him up? For uh, Hamels, You're because I think pick, you know, I, I think the thinking is is that Hamels will give you five six innings per start, and Butler is like a two three inning guy. I I, I guess I'm just surmising because you're right. It could be on paper that they're really the same. The production that you get out of both of those guys could be relatively close to the same. Hamels Hamels is a wild card in the sense that he's got. He's been huge on the big stage, huge yes. on the big stage. And the last time he pitched at Wrigley, he threw a no hitter. I thought That's that was right. kind of That's intriguing right. as well. As you kind of note in the, in our show uh, notes for the week, you know he's he's god awful in the state of Texas. Whether he pitched in Arlington or in Houston, his his numbers were just uh, really really bad. So our job is to make sure that he only pitches in uh, Texas in in late October or November. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, and, and, well. Huh. 
and mean, they can make this and they can make decisions in regards to that when they get to that point. But I keep looking at, you know, um, last year we are, uh, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, John, uh, John uh, the, the old guy that we finally got rid of uh, pitcher. Um, uh, anyhow, it, it, uh, replacing his production, you know, yeah. the, guy from, the guy from Texas, I can't think of his name, um, but uh, oh, John Lackey. Yeah, John, John Lackey. Lackey. Yeah. It, it, and, and it kind of goes back to the um, championship year when we had uh, Hamels, who, uh, Jason Hamill, who um, got us 15 wins that season. We still haven't replaced that. As much as Montgomery has been a Band-Aid solution, the reality is without an Ariata at the front end of the rotation, Lester has done an admirable job, but it's just not the same. No, so, it's not. So it's one not. of the things that I did, which I'm encouraged by, is that I went and looked at the Cubs in 2016 on this date, and they're only two games better than this team. Yeah, yeah. And so this it's still to be determined how it's going to play out because the good news is you've got a recent world championship team as far as the nucleus – and, and on the guys on the field are not the issue. Schwarber's turning into a world-class left fielder. Who would have guessed yeah, that? I he's know. Got one of made a best. great play the other day. He, yeah. he has one of the best speed arms in the National League now, they're saying, that his throws are – he's got as much velocity as any outfielder does. I can't believe I'm saying these words. And so – if they're if they're starting the the starting pitching is the issue. That's all that it is. I mean, we really didn't replace uh, Jake Arrieta, and and you and you know you Darvish is you Darvish. If he comes back and does anything this year, I think the Cubs could they um, could make some noise. They could they pose could, yeah. some problems for some of those front running American League teams. So no, and that's really what has to happen. You know, Darvish for this team to succeed in the playoffs, Darvish has to come back and be who they expected him to be. And if he's not. They'll make the playoffs. They could maybe win a series, but I don't see them going all the way. You know, there's no way. Me so, either. So. Me either. All right, but now they, they ended the homestand against St. Louis uh, in style. Um, yes. You know, no, was this, no, sorry. Against no, St. no, Louis they did. In San Diego. They ended this yes. against San Diego in style. They were, they were uh, or was it Arizona? I'm sorry, Arizona. I'm a little dizzy here. But uh, so they beat Arizona. They come back. They're down two runs in the ninth. Um, there's a walk to Zobrist and then journey or a young infielder, David Bodie yeah. hits a two run home run to tie right. the game. The place is going crazy. I'm in my car driving home from work. And then Anthony Rizzo walks it off with a home run of his own. I nearly crashed the car. That was one of the most <laughs> exciting games of the year. And I say that that was a top three win this season, you know, uh, without a doubt without, I think it's the second biggest win of the season. Um, uh, my wife was at the game and she said it was just mayhem. People's, you know, she felt like uh, she's not, she's, she said it's been a long time that she's heard it that loud um, at Wrigley. Um, interesting. Rizzo's a thousandth game that he did that. Yeah. He had a really good game overall. Um, and, for five, and, that, and that was a big, big, important win for the, for the Cubs, because I think that maybe they might've celebrated a little bit too much based on their last two performances in St. Yeah, Louis. In St. Louis, right. But uh, yeah. I did, I did want to just recall briefly what I think is the number one game of the season. And that was on April 14th in uh, 38 degree weather with 24 mile an hour wind. the uh, Cardinals, uh, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Braves were in town. And if you remember, Madden was furious that major league baseball let Made that play. game yeah, go right. on. 
But Major League Baseball said the Braves aren't coming back to Wrigley. We have to get this game in. And it looks like tomorrow, meaning Sunday, because it was a Saturday game, it was going to get rained out, which it did. And so um, the, the Cubs trailed 10 to 2, and they won 14 to 10. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, to Baez, mostly, uh, and Schwarber. And the uh, weather, um, and the weather, too. And the, right, exactly. The 24 yeah. mile an hour wind. But it just, that was the most exciting because to see a team come back from an eight run deficit, that's just, uh, I, it's extraordinary. It just, it probably happens once or twice every five years. Yeah. Well, let's uh, not forget the, the Hayward home run that uh, when they were down, they were down a run, and I think Hayward hit a three run home run to win the game. You know, when right. they were down to their last strike. Yep, yep, you know, yep. and I thought that, that was kind of cool. But all right, so they, now Jesse Chavez is another recent acquisition. We haven't talked about him. And no. I think he's going to be very useful for the Cubs because he can pitch in the bullpen for more yep. than one inning and it, he can make a spot start. So, and he throws strikes, which is, I think, critical, you know. Well, he, he's everything you want Chatwood to be, you know, with Chatwood yeah. with his 11 starts that he had where he walked more than five batters in all 11 of those starts, you're not going to get that from Chavez. And so, you know, I think that's our, our bullpen is not our issue in my mind. You know, once, once Morrow comes back, that's why I think the Cubs really haven't been, you know, there was some discussion that the Cubs might've gone after uh, Zach Britton and I'm glad they didn't quite frankly. I, I, the, the fact of the matter is, if you look at our minor league system, I don't want to give up any more players for Renta junk arm. Yeah, I, I, right. I just, I just don't. So, um, and then you know, finally about the Cubs, uh, Chris Bryant. I'm, I'm slightly concerned. I have to be honest with you because it's been my experience when players have shoulder uh, injuries like this that oftentimes it takes a year to recover from it. Um, it's kind of like a hamstring for a, a professional football player. You, it, within that season, you never get over that injury. The only thing that's going to fix it is rest. And so I think the Cubs at some point have to be prepared that, that we're going to have either the rest of the year without him or we're going to have limited Chris Bryant production this year. I still think that they're good. I mean, uh, and offensively, and the reason is because Hayward has picked it up so much. Yeah. Uh, Schwarber's turned into a complete baseball player. And, you know, Zobrist is had a, having a resurging year, too. So you can't um, – so, we're you know, we've got a little bit of an embarrassment of riches. I just – I'm slightly concerned about the Chris Bryant story. And, and I think that's valid. I think it's completely valid. He, he You know, if you don't – when you have Bryant, you're a great team. Without him, you're just merely very good. And, right. uh, you know, so. All right. Uh, now, there's one thing I want to talk about, too. And, and this is something that happened recently at Wrigley Field, where a lot of people on the Internet really embarrassed themselves. And what happened was uh, there's a guy sitting in the good seats right near uh, the brick wall that right on the field. Right. And uh, there was a, a video of him. You know, the camera caught a foul ball going over to him. Go, well, no, no. What happened Actually, was, it was a, yeah. a base coach. Base it was coach. a base coach, yeah. Will Venable gave a ball to a boy. He tossed a ball to a boy in the front row. The ball fell out of his hands and rolled to the seat behind him where a guy behind him picked up the ball and it looked like, hey, I found the ball. And it looked right. like he kept it for himself when it had been intended for a young fan. And he got excoriated on the Internet as a result. Yes, it like, don't be that guy. But what nobody knew at that point was this guy had given – how many balls had he given away? Well, he, he'd given to, to other kids. He'd given up two or three, but he gave that kid one ball yeah. <laughs> earlier in the game. Yeah. And so 
you're you're 100 right, and I see this unfortunately all the time on the internet, particularly on Twitter, where if you do something, and, and for example, we talked about these racial incidences where people, you know, white people are calling in uh, right. black people just for doing, you know, for being, you know, average normal citizens, and then. Um, what they do is they out the white person. They name the white person. They shame they, it. Yeah. They, they, they go to their, to their uh, I think it's called voxing. They go to, to, to their employer and say, you need to fire this person. And they tried to do that with this guy. Because I was reading on Twitter after it happened. They're like, who is this guy? One of his friends knows who it is. We need to identify him so that we can make sure that he loses his job. That's Jeez. basically, uh, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the pratfall uh, in the modern age of, of social media. There's so much power there that they can that they, they can literally ruin someone's life. And in that particular case, if you just judged it on, the, on what you saw, it was it was deplorable what that guy did. At least that's what it looked like. That's but what it looked like, but it wasn't the case at it all. Wasn't is, exactly. It wasn't exactly. He's owed a huge. It's the same thing when when newspapers used to make mistakes in the day. They'd yeah. make a front page mistake and they would bury their retraction on the 18th page. With right a small sentence, a bunch of the Sun Times. Yeah, the Sun Times regrets the error back on right. page 15. You know. So and that's what happened here. And I think that, that that it's really dangerous. You have to be very careful until you see the whole story before you uh, lash out. I think in these racial instances, pretty clear cut. With, with Sometimes, though, but but at the same time, especially the stuff with policemen, yeah. you know, you've got to see. I mean, 50, right. five, two minutes of video it, it takes things completely out of context. There's images no are images are manipulated. You know, you don't know what's happening. And, and, you know, that's one of the dark parts about Facebook and the Internet in general and Twitter is that these things come out there and, you know, you, you, you try to take it at face value. But then when you do that, you're getting it completely wrong. So, yeah, well, and that, you touch on something really important when it comes to, to these police videos, because the reality is, hey, I support I support the plight of the of the African-American as well as anybody, yeah. any white man will ever do. Um, but the, the reality is when a cop tells you to put up your hands, you need to put up your hands. I mean, that's yeah. the, that, and so you're, you're absolutely right. Some of these videos don't tell the whole struggle that the police have had. And I support the police in the United States. We have to have them. Um, but you can't be killing kids over broken taillights either. I mean, it's just a very complicated, uh, yeah. situation. And, so, you, and, and the thing is you can still support black people and you can still support the police. You can, which is both. what I do, yeah. which is, which is what I do. So, so right. what happened in this week in baseball? This week uh, in baseball history. Let's begin with 1963, June 29th. Dick Ellsworth strikes out Stan Musial three times as wow. the Cubs beat uh, the Cardinals 5-1 to at Wrigley Field. It's the only time in his entire career wow. that he strikes out three times in a game. In 22 years, that's it. it that, but but in, in Stan's defense, that was the very end of his career. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, it, yeah, it was. So that, that, that was that the only time it happened. That was, reminds me of uh, of Williams and DiMaggio in the sense that in some seasons they would strike out 15 or 20 times the whole year. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. So, no, DiMaggio was tremendous in that regard. And, uh, you know, he was the greatest living ball player until he died. He had that designation. All right, yeah. so, so moving on. 1908, <laughs> June 26, 1908. Um, so. Honus Wagner goes five for five off of Christy Mathewson. Okay. Wow. And the Pirates win seven to two. Now, there's a huge crowd there. Now, as every time he gets a hit, Wagner gets a hit, he holds up a finger 
to New York right fielder Mike Donlin, who he was competing with for the batting title. And in that five-for-five five game, he overtakes him in the batting title race. And every time he gets on base, he looks out to the right field and he points a finger like, ah, that's another one. That's yeah. another one. That's three. You know what I mean? So that was kind of Well, cool. you know, was Honus aware that this was basically the middle part of the season? He still had a lot of games to play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, he was uh, – but I don't like how these players, you know, they like to show up other players. You know what I mean? That's one of the problems with the guys from 1908. Yeah. You know, this Honus Wagner didn't that, have any respect, you know? That, that was a very Jose Batista-like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, now June 26, 1956. This was fun. Roberto Clemente becomes the only player ever to hit a walk-off inside the park. Wow. Grand slam home run. Grand slam? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Off of Jim so Brazen. Yeah. It, so either the ball got stuck or that's some really bad defense out there. I, I don't understand how that happens. I mean, you first of all, Clemente was really fast, and he certainly was really fast in 1956. He yeah. had to slow down to, 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 yeah. to, to achieve that. That's amazing. No, That's it is amazing. amazing. And they win and, and they needed the, the home run because they won nine to eight. So they needed <laughs> every run in that grand slam to win, which I wow. thought was pretty amazing. And it was one wow. of 10 inside the park home runs that he hit in his 18, 18 year career with the Pirates. That I'm not surprised, though, because of just how fast he was and what a great player he was. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of our show. It was always uh, it, it was a lo- it's always a lot of fun talking to you, Tom. Uh, those of you who want to get in touch with us, ask us questions, make a comment, please email us at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Have a great one, Tom. You- All right.